Welcome to Foundation Church. If you're new with us, our vision and mission statements are this, that we want to be authentic with Jesus Christ so that we can be authentic with one another. And we want to take the great commu uh, commission to our great communities surrounding our church. Today is the fifth and final week of our sermon series, More in the Feeling. So if you didn't get that from the little introduction of the music, that wasn't a worship song. <laughs> that was uh, a little bit of a synopsis of the series that we have been going through, More Than a Feeling, for the past several weeks. So um, this is the fifth and final week of the installment of this series. And we're going through the book of Colossians. It's one of the letters that Paul penned while he was in prison. Colossians has four chapters in it. And as we get to chapter 4, Paul comes to some, some concluding thoughts. And these thoughts include relations as a family unit. It also has relations as individuals, but it also has some relations in a corporate setting as well. And while these words are rounding out the end of the book, and they're at the concluding portion of the book, we should not dismiss the message that Paul is trying to give to us. It's a unifying message to his readers that we, we are made for relationship. We are made for purpose and on purpose for the Lord for relationship. But what is relationship? What is relationship? <laughs> what is really? You say, duh, that's, that means that when two or more people um, have a dealing with each other, they interact with each other, they have a relationship. Okay, yeah, you're, you're probably right. But I want to go a little bit more than that then. Uh, but let's go a step further. And what does it mean then to be in a relationship? What does it mean to be in a relationship? And it's this. It's not only do you have dealings and the behaviors with, between one or more people, but it means that each person is a help to the other to be better in some way. That's in a relationship. And we start thinking about a relationship, and I don't know anyone here that wants to be in a bad one. <laughs> Does anyone want to be in a relationship where someone is not helping them, where they're pretty much downright not just being mean or hurtful or pain? Who wants to be in a relationship? And I think that and maybe some of us might be in one. I would pray for you. I would love to talk with you and help you in any way that we can. But down deep inside, that is not your desire, to be in a bad relationship or a hurtful relationship. You see, since sin entered the world by Adam and Eve, hurt and pain, um, strife has been in this world. And who wants more of it in relationships? But Jesus laid the example of what true relationship is all about. He truly did. He met the needs of people both physically, emotionally, Financially, Jesus built bridges and relationships, but it wasn't just to meet those specific needs. He specifically had relationships with people for the sole purpose of bringing them closer to a relationship with him on a spiritual level. Coming to know him as Savior, coming to know him as Lord. And as we have relationship, we're building bridges similar to Christ where we are to imitate him. In our relationships, 
to one another so that we can build bridges, whether emotionally, physically, um, financially, whatever it may be that God's causing you to be in a relationship so that you can have that bridge to build it to closer to Jesus Christ. So as we are in relationship with one another, we're there to help each other on various levels. So here's the question. How are you helping those who you have a relationship with? One, come to know Jesus as Savior. And two, how are you helping them get to know Jesus more as Savior? So if we're in relationship with people, which you are, you have a sphere of influence of people in your life, how are you doing those two things? And it's going to use the conduits as like the emotional, physical, um, spiritual needs of people or some other ways. But we need to imitate Christ as he did that. It's about speaking life into people. We build bridges of love, Christ's love in our life. As we live life with other people, we're going to speak life into them, and that's Jesus Christ. Um, Toby Mac, um, there's Toby right there, not that Toby Mac. <laughs> but Toby Mac, the singer, uh, formerly of DC Talk, um, he had a song come, that came out about seven, year ago, seven years ago, and you may have heard it on the radio. It was like, speak life, and I'm not going to sing it. No. So I might have to get this microphone and start rapping it or something like he does. Yeah. Some bebopping around. But he's had this song called Speak Life. Speak Life. And he's talking about this, that we as believers are to be speaking life into one another. The life of Jesus Christ into one another. And through those means, we use the physical, the spiritual, the financial, whatever that, whatever that realm may be. Because we are in relationship with the world. And so we're supposed to be building bridges of life with others. And as, and as Paul's concerned for those believers, he was writing to them here in Colossians. And it's for us readers today as well. How are we relating to the world around us today? To fellow believers and to others around us. How are we relating? How are we doing on those levels? As Pastor Jeff and I alluded to at the beginning of the sermon series, there was a lot of religious um, relativism that was being dealt with in the church at Colossus at the time. And relativism, it means this. It means that knowledge and truth and morality um, is really defined by the culture and the society and the context in which it resides. Meaning there's no absolute in relativism. It changes. There was also paganism. Paganism is uh, general beliefs. And where it's not totally just Christian, it's some other things added on. Paganism was being dealt with, and we see a lot of different forms of it today. And there was also heresy. Heresy is having a religious viewpoint that's contrary to what the Bible believes and is very dogmatic about. And what does that have to do with this? It means this, that all this together means that there was a lot of untruth in the world. And in a relationship, we're supposed to be the light. We're supposed to be the truth of Jesus Christ to people. And as we see a lot of this 
spiritual movements and, and this enlightening movement in our society today, there's a lot of different emphasis on relationships that we ought to be able to take in the principles of these things that we're getting ready to unpack a little bit of and really be the light and truth to a lost and dying world and to believers and helping them as we relate to each other in this journey. Truth is being attacked then, truth is being attacked now, and the thing is this about truth, you can't change it. It is what it is. The word of God, the truth of the word of God is never going to change. The early Christians were fighting to stand on it. We need to find to stand on it as well. So as we get ready to unpack it, I'm going to give you a quick summary of Colossians chapter, um, um, of the book of Colossians. The first week, Pastor Jeff did a great job of really opening up the book and going through the first half of chapter one and giving us a really over high view of this 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 book of Colossians that uh, that Paul wrote and Pastor Jeff spoke on the lessons in Christ and the second week we talked about the preeminent faith and the third week we talked about being built in Christ and last week Pastor Jeff discussed Christ is our life and today we're going to go a little bit further as we conclude this book and talk about relations for Christ and this whole synopsis of this book is all surrounding about Jesus Christ. He is truth. He is life. He is everything that every relationship needs and ought to be in. Everything is built for and on Jesus Christ. So today's topic, if you haven't guessed it, I've said it a couple of times, it's about relationships. Relations for Christ. So let's get into Colossians. We're going to be, actually begin in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, and go through the first six verses of chapter 4. So you want to open up your Bibles, your smartphones, um, your tablets, or whatever you want to follow along with. I'm going to begin in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23. This is what Paul was writing to them. Whatever you do, do your work hardly as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he does wrong... For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong, which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Let's take a quick moment. Let's just pause and pray. Father, we just love you this morning. Be with us this morning. May we just take your word. May it resonate with our soul. Move us, Lord, to a greater relationship with you and with each other. Speak to our hearts, convict us, move us, Lord, we love you and we thank you. For it's in your son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. So as we get into this, there's three principles that Paul gave the readers. As he talks about a little bit about this relationship and, and how we work, how we live in this world with one another, individually, corporately, that I'm going to touch on. Three basic principles about having relationship for Jesus Christ. And here's the first one. It's about devoting to prayer. Devoting to prayer. 
I know Pastor Jeff and I have hit on this issue of prayer during the course of numerous sermons and even during different little speaking little things and devotions over the last several months. And prayer cannot go unnoticed about the importance of it. The fact is, though, we as a body of believers, just in general as a church as a whole, we don't do prayer well enough. Most people don't. And Paul's making it pretty clear here, as about relationship, that one of the very key components of relationship is that we need to be in relationship with the Father first and foremost. That is the key principle of relationship before you have relationship with any other person. Your spouse, your kids, before you go into the world, you need to have a specific devoted prayer life in relationship to your Father. And there's a couple of different points about prayer I'm going to talk on. I love the topic of prayer. Um, I would love to spend a whole sermon series on prayer. I think it's so beneficial. But I only have one point of it today. So I'm not going to give today really the emphasis of how to pray. It's more some things about prayer that, that we're going to see here in Scripture. But here's the first principle about prayer is that we need to be devoted to it. And being alert. Being alert. This word, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it. The word devote means this, to attend to constantly, steadfastly, and attention to something. Paul's saying to us as, as believers, you need to be giving total attention, constantly, to prayer in your life. It's not just waking up and saying a checklist and have this and this done and say, okay, I got to have this from um, 8 to 8.15. It's no, it's not so regiment. It's about relationship through your prayer life. It's about giving steadfast attention that if you love the Lord, your God, your Father, you need to give him your proper attention in your life. You need to have some type of relationship with him. How many people in here are great cooks? Or at least you think you are. Or who love to cook? How about that? Maybe you love to cook. Anybody love to cook? Oh, come on, man. You mean everybody goes to McDonald's every single day? Okay. We have some cooks in here. I know you are. You're just being humble. There's people that love to cook. You're not going to put food on the stove and then just walk away from it. Or you're not going to go cook out in a grill for like July 4th or Father's Day or something like that. You're not going to go cook out or even today go put some $30 steaks or maybe $5, I don't know, on the grill and just let them sit there. You're going to give attention to it. You're going to be steadfast and making sure that it's cooked properly because you want it to taste good. You're going to give proper attention to cooking. And I'm just using it as a synopsis. But it's the same thing with our prayer life. You've been saved. Let me say, you have been saved, and you didn't deserve to be saved because of our sin debt, but the Lord has brought salvation, and he loves us unconditionally. We need to be devoted and give attention to him. He deserves us, all of us, all of who we are. He deserves your prayer life. Paul's giving us insight that we need to give proper attention to God our Father. Devote yourselves to him. The Lord has been really working on me the past little bit. And um, it's about being alert. 
in my prayer life. And this word alert means to be awake, to watch. It comes from the root word to raise up, to be awake, to wake up. Paul's saying, don't just be devoted in your prayer life, in your devotion. I want you to be alert in your prayer life. It's like, what does that even mean? It means, people, wake up. Wake up to the people around you who's in your life. Pray for them. Wake up to the needs in your community. Pray for them. Wake up to the country you live in. Pray for it. Wake up to the congregation you serve with. Pray for them. Be there for them. Be attentive to what I've placed in your life. Be alert in your prayer life. I didn't know I was going to be preaching on this this week. I did not know. For the last couple of months, the Lord has been really working on my heart specifically about this very specific topic. And so I'm like, well, Lord, I do pray. But he's like, no, Brian, I want you to be alert all the time. I want you to be watchful all the time. So the last few weeks, I've been really thinking about it. And when I came back, I took a few days off last week. Me and the family spent some time together. And during that time, I really spent a lot of time um, really just really reflecting. And the Lord, when I came back, he's, uh, he gave me some different ideas. So I, I have this. I had Mandy um, put it together for me. I gave her some things that I want in it. It's my little personal pocket prayers. And... Um, I write in it all the time. I take it with me wherever I go. If someone says, Brian, I want you to pray for something, I write it down. And it's my way of being alert for you and for me and for him. If you want one of those, I can make one for you. But the whole point is this. You need to be alert. I had no idea what I was going to speak on this day, but the Lord, that's how, the, that's how awesome and how funny the Lord is. He works on my heart before I tell anybody else or before I do anything in my own life. My own life, he's working on me first. You want to do something great for the Lord. You want to do something for, for the Lord. Let him work on you. And you know where it begins? It begins in your prayer life. The Lord wants you. He wants you. Do you want him? Here's the other thing about being devoted. It's about being alert, but it's also about being willing with our prayer. Being willing with our prayer. You may ask, well, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm saying. Not too long ago, I had no idea we we're going to be praying for him this morning. David Van Fleet came in a couple months ago, and um, he spoke to us. He spoke to us very boldly. Um, and he said something that I wrote down and I'm never going to forget. He said this, don't pray a prayer that you are not willing to be the answer to. And I thought, man, that's pretty profound. Am I willing to be the answer to someone's life? Am I willing to be the one that steps out my faith and share my faith with a person I may not like, but I know they need pray for? Am I willing to be the one that I financially come alongside of and help need, or at least pray and be willing, Lord, even if I may not be the one, I'm still open to, Lord, whatever you want to do. That's very challenging. Because when, he, when Paul's sitting here talking about devoting to prayer, we're going to talk about um, opportunities in just a moment. 
but we cannot be so closed off in our prayer that we can't, we're closing ourselves off to blessings of how God wants to use us in our life. Here, check this quote out from C.S. Lewis. It says this, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because the needs flow out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping. See, he's talking about prayer. It doesn't change God. It changes me. If we're not submitting to God in our prayer life, we're basically removing ourselves from the opportunities to be blessed and be a blessing to someone or something. A devoted prayer life is going to change you. I can speak into that. I can tell you for sure. We're not praying to God to change God. We're praying because we're submitting to his will in a relationship to him so he changes me to conform me to himself. Are you willing to be the answer for someone in your life? The prayers that you write down, are you willing to be the answer? Are you willing to be the one that God wants to use to do something? Maybe it's mentoring somebody. Maybe it's discipling somebody. Maybe it's just being an emotional friend. And we talked about that's why we went to the definition at the very beginning. What does it mean to be in a relationship? It means that you're of help to someone for the better. What are you doing to help someone better in your prayer life and being the answer to to help them in their walk with the Lord? What are you doing? Are you willing? Are you being a prayer warrior for the Lord? We talked about being devoted in prayer. Here's a second point about this uh, relationship. It's about conducting our faith. This is part of the overall theme of Colossians, to be perfectly honest with you. The walk, if I was to term this and really kind of map out my own overview of Colossians and write like a little bit of a synopsis or my own commentary, I might term it um, the walk of the believer. Because quite honestly, it's about your walk in Christ and about who Christ is to you personally. But this is the third time here about conduct yourselves, the third time that there's a very specific reference in this short book of four chapters that Paul refers to the Christian faith and this walk that we are walking. It's the third time. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, we're told to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to walk worthy. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 5, he says, told the believers to walk in Christ. As he lives in you, walk in Christ. So now we're here at chapter um, 4 and verse 5. He says, conduct yourselves. This word conduct in the Greek when it was written really means this. It means it alludes to your walk, your behavior of how you live. So three times within a, couple, a few chapters, Paul tells us about our walk. If the Lord's trying to get a point to us, he becomes very repetitive in the things he says or does. Let me tell you, your walk is important to the people, to this world around you. Your walk is very important to how you relate to your kids, to the people you're trying to share your faith to. Your walk is important. Paul's really hammering this point out. So there's a couple of different points I'm going to speak about we see right here in this walk. What does this look like? The first point, and there's two key points about how to conduct ourselves. The first one is this, with wisdom. With wisdom. It says, verse 5, conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Well, what's the opposite of wisdom? Uh, foolishness. 
Who anybody want to walk around and just go out and say, hey, yeah, I'm going to we'll, we'll live foolishly today? <laughs> I'd like to see what that looks like. You see, we have a responsibility from the Lord or to the Lord not to be foolish believers in how we live in front of people. We have a responsibility not living foolishly. What type of testimony is it that we call ourselves Christians and we live and act and say foolish things? We're not representing him well. We're not representing who we are if we're saying we're Christians. We're not representing our testimony very well. He says, with wisdom, we may say, well, I'm going to go, we tell others, you know, just trust Jesus. But yet, when we look at our faith and our walk, maybe our life is not marked by trust. We tell people, we're going to pray. Do you pray? Do you pray? Or maybe, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a quick example. I have a friend in college um, at the time. Um, and this girl, we would drive around. We would visit all types of stores. You go to restaurants. You know, you're always driving around with your group of friends. And I had this friend, um, and she would uh, never wear a seatbelt, ever. And we were like, what, what is wrong? Why would you not wear a seatbelt? What are you doing? She goes, listen, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. The Lord knows my time to go. I don't need to wear a seatbelt. I'm like, look, that's foolishness. That's, God gave us common sense, <laughs> common sense to use. Sometimes, man, as believers, I think the world just looks at us like, man, they ain't got no common sense. We cannot be out there and having no common sense of lack of wisdom from the Lord. We have God's word to use in our life. And yet many times we come out there and we lack integrity of who we're saying we ought to be. Because the Christian, let me tell you, the world is watching you. The world is watching you. The unsaved people in this world, they watch us on a daily basis. There are many that will be watchful and many will be critical. Fairly or unfairly, it happens. But we must walk wisely. Don't give them anything in your life that would jeopardize your testimony and possibility of them coming to know Jesus as Savior or growing in Christ. Don't give them the opportunity. Don't give them a reason. Walk wisely. Walk with wisdom. It means that we need to be careful about what we say, careful about what we do, or let me say, be careful about what we type. We don't want to make it more difficult to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because, honestly, the gospel trumps everything we believe, do, or say. Everything. Walk wisely in your life. Here's the third, second thing about um, conducting ourselves with wisdom, but opportunistic. Be opportunistic. To be opportunistic here in verse 5, we're to come across opportunities in life, and we're needed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. How many of you like to shop? Okay, so here's the thing. I say cook, no one's hands are raised, maybe a few. I say shop, it's like a third of the hands go straight up in the air. It is insane. <laughs> so here. You like to shop. I have a few people in my family that like to shop. I have a few people that I know that like to shop. They will go from store to store. They'll go from aisle to aisle, go from clearance rack to clearance rack, and they just will search around and seize the opportunity to find the best deal. Maybe some of you can resonate with that thought. Yes or no? I don't know. 
But here's the thing is, um, if nothing's found, maybe you go shopping. You enjoyed having the opportunity to go and spend and seize the moment of possibly finding a deal, possibly looking. You just enjoy the shopping. Listen, as followers of Jesus, when is the last time you look for opportunities to share your faith and seize the opportunity? When is the last time that you said, you know what, I'm going to look for the opportunities that God is going to place in my life organically to be able to share my faith for him? We need to walk with wisdom. And it means that we need to walk wisely, but also being for opportunistic things to be able to be a light and truth in this lost and dying world. The church at Colossus, they had to be um, life and truth to people. They didn't have the New Testament when they were around. They didn't say, hey, let me pull out what Paul, let me pull out um, 1 Timothy real quick. It's like they had to be scripture to these people. You have to look for opportunities to be the church. Invite them to know Jesus, share Jesus, be encouraging, be prayerful. We're called to live a life where we're conducting our faith with wisdom and seeking opportunities. And here's the third and final point for today's message. We need to be speaking with grace. Paul says, let your speech always be with grace. That is key. The only way we can really speak grace is if we first have grace inside of us. What's in your heart is eventually going to come out. Your conversation is going to exude what you feel, what you believe. It may not come out right at that very moment, but it eventually does. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says this about your words. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. We need to speak grace into people's lives as we live in this world. So what is grace? Grace and mercy are often used together when someone's speaking in terms of explaining something about who Christ is and who God is. Mercy is this. Mercy is not receiving something that we deserve. But here's grace. Grace is receiving something we didn't deserve. We didn't deserve heaven. Grace is an amazing part of who God is. Grace is unmerited favor towards the unworthy and the undeserving. I am so undeserving of his grace. That's why we sing that song or that you hear that hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amazing Grace. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to have the Son of God leave the throne room above in heaven to come down and save a lost and dying world. We don't deserve that. What we do deserve is hell. But he was, but because of his great mercy, God was gracious. And because of grace, we can have eternal life. 
Because of grace, he bestows blessings on us all the day long. And as we sit here and read this passage of scripture, Paul is saying, speak grace to people. Speak grace to one another. What does that mean? What is grace? It means this. When you don't feel like being kind because you don't think they deserve it, who cares what you think? Be graceful because God wants you to be because he saved you. Grace means be merciful. Be fruitful. Edify one another because the God who saved you is asking you to do so. Speak grace into people's lives so that you can build bridges of love, not of hate and not of unkindness. We don't deserve the love of God shown to certain people, so I'm not going to speak grace. They don't deserve that. It doesn't matter. God's asking you to be graceful because he saved you. I'm the biggest sinner that I know. And yet he was graceful to me. Who are you and who am I to tell God they don't deserve it? They don't deserve this. They don't deserve that. I am nobody, but God saved me. He loved me. So I'm going to speak grace into people's lives. Speak grace. Speak grace. He is grace. He is grace. And so our talk should be as well. So as we come to a close, Paul closes out Colossians, and he speaks of all these different people that are here and all the things that, uh, that they have done. There's about four, five, six, and there's a number of people he's listed. And you know what's awesome about this? They were a team. People that probably had different ideas, thoughts, quarrels. We are a team doing this together. So the message to all the readers then and now is this. We need to be cognizant in whatever we do, as Colossians 3.20 says. Whatever you do and how we live our life, whether at work, in the church, at home, or no matter where it's at, and you're individually, privately, Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Do it for the Lord. And it's those things. Devote yourself to prayer to be able to do it. Get in line with the Lord. Conduct your walk and speak grace. Let's pray. Father, Lord, this morning, your word is awesome, Father. I'm so thankful that I get to read it. Thank you that we live in this country, Father that we get to hear your word be spoken and not be fearful for our life. I pray that we don't, Lord, water down our faith in front of this world because of the freedoms of this country allow us to be able to live in Christ. And I just pray, God, that we use our freedoms fruitfully. So, Lord, help us conduct our lives with love. Help us speak grace. And I pray, Father, Lord, today, that if someone does not know you as Savior, that they repent of their sin and ask, Lord, right even now, be in their heart, be in their life. So when we leave here today, Lord, we will conduct our walk, not compartmentalize our faith, and live for you, because it's all about Christ. We love you, we thank you, in Christ's name, amen. So here's our life lesson, and it's very simple. Be authentic with Christ, and let's be authentic with one another as we live this life. Let's do that together. I so enjoy you guys. I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, so what do we do now? Out of our seats.
and into the world. God bless you all.